All right, let's talk about something that uh, is in the uh, Toronto Star this morning. Uh, it's uh, The headline is, does Toronto need to set term limits for city councillors? One of Toronto's new councillors is trying to jumpstart a movement to introduce term limits. Basically, uh, he was on the morning show today with Tina and Stafford, and he's a newly elected city councillor, Brad Bradford. He tabled some motions for staff to report to council with options for term limits, and the motions failed to get enough support from fellow councillors. Um, Bradford says that, you know, there's a political advantage, and there certainly is one enjoyed by incumbents because of the name recognition factor. It gives them an advantage over newcomers who have to struggle to get the attention of voters. And now he argues that under the new 25-ward system, down from 44 44 wards last term, thanks to our Premier Doug Ford, it's harder than ever for newcomers to gain footing because uh, there's more ground to cover in each ward and more people to convert and more money to be spent in the process. So he was wanting to start the discussion about term limits. Shelley Carroll joins the show right now. She's been a Toronto City Councillor for several terms in Don Valley North. And uh, she looks at things maybe uh, with a different kind of perspective. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. So where do you sit on this uh, motion? Were you one of the people that, you know, failed to pass, the, you voted d- down this motion to... to issue a staff report? Well, I would have been uh, happy to see the staff report as long as it was in conjunction with looking at other reforms, and that wasn't an option for us in the vote. Uh, Since that time, what I've done is uh, move that we get staff reports on reforms that I think go further to achieving what it is that Councillor uh, uh, Bradford is trying to achieve. We we, we do want to see more diverse candidates. We want to see women having a a more fair chance. But I think what uh, what really gets you there uh, that has been demonstrated in other places like New York City and and so on and so forth is uh, campaign finance reform. That's the place where corruption really takes hold, and you want to make sure that you've dealt with that. Um, We have have a a city now with supersized wards, each councillor having to raise 75 grand, and that's the real incumbent advantage. It's interesting because he hasn't even, Brad didn't even bring up corruption. I, I would like to talk a little bit farther about that, but let's play a little bit from Brad Bradford and why he said, uh, you know, he's decided he he brought forth this motion. I'm 33 now. And when I was running last summer, I was 32. And I would go to the door and and tell folks that there's literally people who are on council who have been there longer than I've been alive. So, uh, yeah, you know, decades and decades. And and that's not necessarily uh, the worst thing. There's certainly uh, colleagues who have a lot of experience, uh, you know, dealing with constituencies, uh, legislative experience, and, and some of the problems are not something that you're going to get done, you know, in a year or two. But at the same time, I believe we're a city of three million people, and surely there are folks out there who can bring a lot of uh, energy and talent to this job. Uh, and to suggest that nobody else could do the job better, you know, I think is a little bit, uh, a little bit naive. So, Shelley, why? So I'm guessing you don't support term limits. Well, no, because uh, uh, one of the things that come with term limits, we know from looking at cities that have them, is that a party system gets far more quickly entrenched uh, because there there becomes this need for, for succession planning. So you start an initiative. Perfect example is the Regent Park uh, Social Housing Revitalization Initiative. It took 20 years to get through. It was brought through by a dynamic councillor, Councillor Pam McConnell, rest in peace. Uh, 
um, currently, you know, there there really isn't anyone left on council who is uh, has been there longer than Brad's been alive. But but I have been there almost 20 years now. I I was elected in 2003, so so uh, um, you know I'm in my 17th year. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing work that I started in the first term. Um, if you uh, if you have term limits, uh, you want to see that work uh, um, continue. And so what happens is well, wouldn't the next person continue the work? To- uh, in, well, incumbent advantage begins to be used in a different way. You use it to make sure that the person you choose gets reelected, and so a party system starts to take hold and sometimes becomes official, as has been the case in American cities. But if you take reforms such as campaign finance reform and ranked balloting, ranked balloting will help you in this new supersized ward, supersized councillor election. Uh, there are going to be fewer races with more candidates candidates in them. And what we want is for uh, the uh, for the electorate to really begin to, to make the, the decision based on issues, based on commitments of service and all of those types of important things in governance. And with ranked balloting, because they have to make not just one choice, but choose the three best um, is the, the most common form. Now we can't just personally attack each other. We really have to stand for something. We have to have real meaningful campaigns. Wait a minute. You're saying city councillors don't stand for something when they go in? Most should stand for something, shouldn't they? Well, quite frankly, what happens in many places, because we don't have ranked choice balloting, is basically the incumbent talks about what services they have delivered, and and, and almost every uh, competitor simply badmouths the incumbent. And people want to talk about the issues. And in the absence of that, they go back to the incumbent. And so if you really want it to be not just performance-based, but issue-based, what's what are the burning issues in this city, rank balloting, and fair campaign finance reform that says flip it so that it's the small donations that deliver councillors uh, in, a, in a different type of campaign financing, then everyone in the neighborhood is invested in making a good choice. And those are reforms that would truly change the face of politics in the city of Toronto. But wouldn't you say in a really, I mean, we're all busy, we've got a lot going on in our lives that name recognition is a bit of a, a leg up? on people whose names you might not recognize. So the incumbents do have an advantage beyond what they've done in their track record. It's just, hey, I know that name. Yes, and the incumbent will always have an advantage. But when you impose term limits, you continue to have that incumbent advantage. You may be done at the end of your your term, but what do you now do with your service and your name recognition in terms of manipulating the result even beyond your your two or three or whatever terms it it is? If you really want it to be in the hands of the voter, in the hands of the electorate, there are other reforms that are going to get us there. We're going to get a more transparent, more accountable, and more accessible election to the everyday person who wants to run. I was an everyday person running for council uh, the first time I ran for school board trustee. And in, the, in that milieu, with the, with the job only being $5,000 a year, um, there weren't a lot of takers. In a councillor election where there are only 25 wards to serve 3 million people, 
and there's a, a, a full-time year-round salary for that, you're going to see some real aggressive types of campaigning in there. What we need is fair grassroots campaigning, and the reforms we need to do that really go beyond term limits. There are far more effective reforms. What we're about to get back early this spring, we'll be getting back uh, reports from clerks that talk about those reforms and how to legislatively get them through, hopefully in time for 2022. Um, one of your other uh, peers, your, one of counselors, uh, Mike Layton, he also doesn't like uh, the idea of term limits. He says that uh, I don't believe in limiting democratic rights of those seeking to serve their community. Do you see that uh, term limits as, as limiting the democratic right of someone that wants to serve? Well, there is reflecting uh, uh, what we hear from the voter often, because uh, we have in the past done consultations on on uh, um, democratic reform quite a quite a ways back in the past. This is back in 2007, but that was something that that a lot of people said. Wait a second, if I like who's serving me and I think he's doing a good job, and we're in the middle of something. Why are you taking away my ability to vote for him? I want to choose who I'm voting for. But what I'm saying is that's why making that choice a more thoughtful choice, making it such that that they really need to to rank and look at all the candidates and and really think it through before they walk into the ballot box is a great idea. You know, if you had term limits, though, I have to I have to just throw this in. I was just thinking if you have term limits, though, everything moves so slowly here in the city of Toronto. Decisions move slowly. You talked about Parkdale being turned around in 20 years. That that is it. Regent Park. Regent Park, rather. It's taking a a long time. Wouldn't a term limit set a little fire on a a councillor to to really get things moving? You only have two terms to make your mark. What's happening in Regent Park couldn't happen in in any uh, shorter time frame. What we're talking about is taking a massive uh, part of the city and and painstakingly relocating, moving residents, moving them back, making sure that they don't fall through the cracks in that process, and doing things in phases. And what happened there was able to happen in a really humane and careful way with those residents over that long period of time because there was a person on that file who no matter what happened with with changing staff and changing players there was a local representative who whose whose only interest was the residents themselves that were currently living there and saw them through every phase we were heading into the last phase when when tragically uh, uh, councillor McConnell passed but it's been really a challenge for us to make sure that the last phase is handled as carefully as she handled the, the seven phases that came before. You can't speed that one up. Those are those are some of the bigger moves that happen. Um, sure, you could have different counselors going through that era, but no one could argue that doing it. But maybe it. But you can got a great result. Maybe. But you could also argue that uh, if you had a more diverse uh, group, it, they could relate a lot quicker. In some ways. I mean, there there are two sides to every story, but I just want to, sh- sure. Shelley, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, we've got Shelley Carroll on the line with us right now, and I appreciate your time in this. I know it's a busy season right now. Um, you mentioned the party system. It, it could mm-hmm. creep into city politics if we bring into term if we bring in term limits. Is that something that you are against or for? Just want to clarify. Well, 
you know what? I'm willing to go wherever the community wants to go, but anytime we have done consultation in Toronto, people have been pretty clear and across the spectrum that that is not what they want. A party that system. They don't want to see a party system, particularly not one that reflects the uh, the province. There are party systems municipally in both Montreal and Vancouver, and there have been some challenges with them. And and I think that's what what uh, what stops people in their tracks. They they don't want to see that happen here. But if you uh, when you institute a term limit uh, system, uh, the research shows that either there's there's one there already, and that's what that's what generates the idea of and let's have term limits. Or you put in place term limits, and generally speaking, within five to ten years, the city ends up going there, bubbling up out of the grassroots as, well, let's have a party system so that that if if I am in the middle of this big, long project in my community, um, I might have to, to say goodbye to my counselor, but she and I will pick the next counselor. So again, we're starting to narrow choices instead of, instead of uh, broaden them but- and rank them. I mean, if it's good enough for higher levels of government. What, the party system? Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, it seems to work there. I'm just saying that whenever we consult municipally, Torontonians say they don't want to see that party system at the city hall level. And I think it has a lot to do with what the services are. Um, sure, we work on big pieces of infrastructure and, and long-range things like, like the region park revitalization, but we also do that day-to-day hard service. You know, did my garbage get picked up? Did the snow removal really come to the end of the street where I am? Those sorts of things. And for that, they don't want party politics mixed into it. That's that's the comment we get whenever we ask. You talked about corruption earlier on. Do you have any examples of that? Well, all I'm saying is, is this. Uh, where we are right now... Um, to, to, to raise $75,000 and to raise it in, you have to, you have like five months to do it. And um, what happens is you end up having to go after the, the large donations. Who can, who can donate to me the, the $1,200 limit? Because I only have so much time to raise it. But in New York City, what happens is you go around and you say to people, give me $25. And instead of you waiting to get your rebate check 18 months from now, I'm going to go and get public funding of the same amount and transparently show them who donated $25 to me before the election. And so what happens is you do the fundraising at the ground level. You can have a bolathon and finance a So campaign, what you're saying is that anyone can get in the race and have a fair and fighting chance. That you wouldn't be, hold, be beholden to anybody who gave exactly. you a major donation is what Other you're than your residents. You would raise it from the residents in that ward and be beholding to them and them alone. And that that would give you the most accountable. It's oh, a lot of doors have. to knock on. Well, and the, the, well, yeah, you have doors to knock on, but if you can finance a campaign in a fair and transparent way from your residents, then you have the ability to do that. That's what has cleaned up the Tammany Hall type of politics that went on for so long in New York City. They're about six elections into this flipped campaign financing, and it's a very grassroots exercise right up to and including the mayoral campaign. I think we need to look at that very, very seriously. Shelley, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You bet. Have a great day. That is Councillor Shelley Carroll, Toronto City Councillor for Don Valley North. 
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.